I would like them to know that they sound like wizards. That's what I'm saying. Like, are we magical wizards? And like, <laughs> you cast a spell. Like, is it Wingardium Leviosa? And if you pronounce it incorrectly, like the feather explodes instead of levitates? Like, how magical is it? I'm Anne McNamee-Keels. And I'm Stephanie Shavera. And this is Lapsed. A podcast about growing up Catholic. And today we are talking about Lent and all that it comes with. <laughs> yes, we are. I think this will air on Mardi Gras. This is going to drop on Mardi Gras. That's very exciting. It is exciting. I don't know how many people are celebrating Mardi Gras this particular year. You know what? I mean... You can eat at your house. So. This is true. You can gorge <laughs> anywhere. Fat we'll talk Tuesday. about that. Make some plans yeah. for how we are going to celebrate our Mardi Gras this year. So first, how are you doing, Steph? Doing pretty good. Adjusting to the world as a pregnant person. It's a different thing. It's Yeah. There, I mean, yes, people warned me, but no, you can't know until, you know, unsolicited opinions. <laughs> all over the place all that fun stuff oh so fun it's so fun but other than that things are good we had a couple nice warm days so I was like taking like two hour long walks because I had to I was like I have to be outside I understand but now it's back to being I think it's in the 20s same here we had like a fake nice day yesterday and now it's back to being cold but that's what Lent and we're getting ready for spring ideally there we go. I feel like in Chicago, I have pictures of Easter. Either like my children are in shorts or there's like snow on the ground. It either could way. go either way. But we like to think it's getting ready for spring. But it usually pretty nicely coincides with like tulip time. Yes. Which is which is why which is why people want to celebrate something because we need it. Exactly. We need to say it's happening, guys. Spring is happening. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, but before we get into all that, Catholicism in the news. Mm-hmm. I assume we're both having one story. <laughs> this keeps happening. Catholicism, stop being so obvious and big about stuff. This was, again, reported on by every news outlet yes. that happened. And so many people were sending it to me. Same. I assume. <laughs> we're talking about the same thing yes it, we're talking about the invalid baptisms yes yes so i saw this again it's one of those things that transcended just you know it starts on the sort of catholic spaces or the ex-catholic spaces on the internet and then pretty soon it's like cnn is covering it like everyone's covering it i saw this and then very quickly a listener messaged us to make sure <laughs> that we were aware of it. I love that our listeners are making sure we're up with the latest Catholic news. Thank you. This was listener Lauren. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. I feel like we should call them our field reporters. Field reporters. You are all, we're dubbing you all field reporters. No, I know. My husband sent this to me. And then as soon as he came home, he was like, did you see the text message I sent you? And we had a long conversation about it. So do you want to do you want to summarize? <laughs> sure. Okay. This poor guy. I'm I'm referencing the New York Times article on it because I'm a subscriber and that's where I get most of my news. All right. You. So the Reverend Andres Arango. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm pronouncing that right. I probably am not. 
Somebody was just sitting at church, you know, doing their own thing when they heard him doing a baptism and they go, wait a second. He said the word we, not I. You're supposed to say I baptize. And he said, we baptize this child. And there was immediate uproar and consternation. Chaos. And gnashing of teeth. So this happened in the Southwest. Yeah, in Arizona. Diocese of Phoenix. But he had also been, I think, in Brazil and San Diego he's been in as well. And apparently for 20 years, he's been saying the word we. Oh, horror of horrors. And all the people from all of these countries and all of these cities are no longer baptized. They're not Catholic anymore. Because the Catholic Church decided... We cannot abide by this. This is too serious. We cannot stand for it. What a horrible thing. And this priest who was beloved by his community, who cared for his parishioners, who right from everything I can see was a pretty good priest. They said, get out of here. Well, he resigned. They didn't say they forced right. him to resign. Yeah, but we we can read between those lines. But the Vatican did say he was incorrect. I thought maybe Francis might uh, come to this dude's side, but n- nope. You'd think. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> and then, like, in this article, it goes on to say that so many priests suddenly were like, uh-oh. <laughs> right? Uh, I've heard the word we. One priest even says what he, like, saw a videotaping of his own baptism, I think. And he was like, uh-oh, I'm not baptized? Because they said we? Vatican, you better chop down those, start chopping down those numbers of how many Catholics you would like to claim globally. They'll, they won't excommunicate you no matter what, but you're no longer baptized? Get out. I started writing bullet points of why this just irritates and infuriates me and also makes me laugh and because if I don't laugh I'll cry I want a good Anne rant go (laughs) yeah so that was one of them is like here's the thing Catholic Church I feel like this all the time like do you just desperately want everyone or do you want no one because on the one hand you're like here's all the reasons that you're not Catholic because you didn't go through the RCIA like you have to Catholics have to do such a high bar. It is not like that for other churches. You don't have to like go to like a year of learning things. Such a high bar to get in. And then, you know, stuff about, oh, did you name your baby after a saint or not? And is that a problem? And then we said the wrong word. So now you're not actually Catholic. But once you're in, they're like, yeah, no, we want to like hold on to you as tightly as possible. We're never going to let you go. Which is it? Are you desperate for us to be Catholic or do you not want us in your club? Tell me which one. Which is it? There's also... I was under the impression that God was three people. We. I was also under the impression that we are the body of Christ. And the Bible, from what I understand, and these people who went to seminary should know this, is there's like all this interesting language stuff happening. God called the God self I am that I am. There's all this weird pronoun stuff already happening in the Bible. But suddenly we're going to pick like these words. Jesus didn't even speak English. And then the people who decided on this stuff also didn't speak English. But like all of a sudden we're I and we and we have to say this particular word in English. Also, it's just like I feel like every time I'm like, oh, the Catholic Church, it's interesting. Father Anne, it was like, oh, they have these interesting ideas. And then it's just like this is the stuff that makes people leave because it is so stupid. It's inane. If people are showing up to the church, I thought we were there to learn to be good people, but apparently we're there to learn to memorize very specific words. To be elite. Explain to me how this helps us further making the world a better place. 
is gatekeeping based on one word. Also, it's this whole thing of like priests cosplaying Jesus because they right? have to say I because they are representing Jesus in that moment. So they're not even saying I, they're saying me and Jesus. I think we actually would be a much better word. Well, so I say like words do, ma- like again, we are word <laughs> nerds. Like words do matter. Word choice does matter. It, or it's interesting, right? Sure. But the word we is actually, I think, more beautiful. Like because baptisms are supposed to not happen in private purposefully, correct? Like they're supposed yeah. to be a witness. Lots Lots and lots of witnesses by your community. That's the point of it. You have it during that's mass. That's why we have a bunch of people around. Yes, that's why we invite. Congregate. And so we, okay, cr- yes, I suppose the person in the pew who's up, really upset about this word choice, because I want to I want to interview that person who decided they I don't think I realized that. that part. I just looked at a, I didn't realize it, it was. Somebody heard it. Oh, some nosy church lady. <sighs> that's all I can oh. imagine. Or a church gentleman. We let's not be. Well, sensitive. there's there's some rough church there's, gentlemen there's out there. There's some nosy but, church gentlemen as well. But it's like, okay, so yes, they don't have as much, I guess, quote unquote, power as the priest does. But shouldn't they? Shouldn't they? <laughs> shouldn't we all say like we are together here, witnessing that this is a child we're welcoming into our fold, like the sheep and lambs that we are. This is the whole point of this is that we're together. I thought that's what we were doing. I think that's much more beautiful to say we. Yes. My like bullet point things were just a million questions. I just have so many questions. You're much better than me having questions. I just have like, and this, and this. I'm making statements. I, I want to talk to like the Diocese of Phoenix and the Vatican. I'm like, where is this whole, like, I don't know, leading by example by demonstrating forgiveness? Where is that? Because shouldn't that be a better virtue? Like saying, ah, yes, we forgive you. And we're going to have all the Pope has to do is come out on a balcony and do a prayer and say, you are all baptized now if they're going to be crazy about it. It feels like the upset over this is bigger than the upset over a child molestation. I completely concur. They've never acted this fast. Everyone's like, the Catholic Church moves slow. It's an ancient institution. You have to be patient with the Catholic Church because it's so old. Well, they moved real fast on this. They would not. That priest would be just at a different diocese if he had sexually assaulted a child. But instead, he left and like all of his parishioners came out for a huge goodbye ceremony. Like when... Does that happen anymore? If the Catholic Church is trying to hold on to people, their PR needs some work. Why lead with punishment rather than forgiveness? Like that, what tenant is that? For something that didn't hurt anyone and is stupid and is based on something that some people decided on. And I need to read you this quote from the Diocese of Phoenix, I guess, in their FAQ section of this matter. All right. Okay. They wrote... Just as a priest should not use milk instead of wine during the consecration of the Eucharist, when the Catholic faith says that the wine becomes the blood of Christ, a priest should also not alter the wording of the sacrament of baptism, the diocese said. The milk would not become the blood of Christ, the diocese said. And similarly, a wrongly worded baptism would not purify a person. I would like them to know that they sound like wizards. That's what I'm saying. Like, are we magical wizards? And like, (laughs) you cast a spell. Is it Wingardium Leviosa? And if you pronounce it incorrectly, like the feather explodes instead of levitates? Like, how magical is it? This is why I would never drink holy water, because I was indoctrinated to believe that there was actual magical things 
happening because of stuff like this and because it somehow shakes our understanding that the priests like what makes priests extra powerful is that they get to do these certain things and say these certain things we're supposed to believe there's an actual physical change somehow yeah i think all the listeners just agree there are very few people in the world who think this was the right move i imagine and those are the people that are keeping everyone else away from the catholic church right i just again we've well established that we don't talk about jesus that much in catholicism like education we have the stories of jesus but you know it's not as big deal as mary for the most part but jesus in general super chill historically (laughs) when especially when it comes to i don't know like uh making sure people get what they need taking the food and multiplying it oh that wedding doesn't have wine look i make wine that seems like the chillest thing on the planet and a lot of rule breaking i just don't see how any of this is in like the teachings of the Bible, like in terms of the lessons. Well, it sure isn't in the Jesus stuff. No, I guess mean old Old Testament God, maybe, but. Well, and not even though some of that, but again, like that is, I think Christians just even understand that incorrectly because Judaism understands those stories of God very differently. Right. And, you know, Jesus was always about breaking rules and kind of like, turning over the tables and talking to the unclean woman and touching the unclean woman. And the thing of like, the most important thing was reaching the people. Yeah. Like the, his whole deal was breaking the clerical rules. You know, you know, who was the rule guy was Paul. I've been doing, I did, I saw something (laughs) random. (laughs) This stupid letters. No, it is Paul. And here we're going to do a whole episode of we're going to, maybe we'll have Kay back on someone to talk about Paul because I saw someone Mm. post, (laughs) here's what I do now. I follow all these (laughs) Catholic Christian-y things on social media because in part because I was already and then because of this podcast because I find it interesting and I don't know where I stand on Christianity in general but I accept that it interests me um I didn't realize this stuff did you Paul claimed to have met Jesus and he went from Saul to Paul he was so he killed your patron saint he was involved in that Bridget no your oh sorry, uh, Stephen. Stephen yeah oh, sorry, so Paul my, my was an anti-Christian <gasps> And he had, he was very anti-Christian, anti-Jesus. He was involved in having St. Stephen killed. He hated Christians. And then he what? claimed, then he claimed that he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, was converted, changed to, from Saul to Paul. And then he told all the Christians what to do. He claimed he met Jesus after Jesus has already ascended to heaven. He just, he said he came back. Just for Paul. Just special for him. The whole Paul thing is bullshit. Paul is full of shit. He is like a person. He's like some kind of rabid anti-feminist who suddenly decides that he's a feminist and then literally tells all the feminists what to do. That's who he is. That's or think or fill in the movement here. He's the anti-person who suddenly converts and then literally tells everybody else what to do. Oh, no, I didn't know this. He was just on some weird power trip. And this is who we listen to. All the Letter from Paul to the Corinthians. Basically everything I find problematic, 99% of what I find problematic in current Christianity can be traced to Paul. That's fascinating. This is just my, I'm Googling uh, analysis. Right. But it does make me think of this situation because it's all about rules and here's the correct way to do things. And that feels like so much of the spirit of Catholicism is rooted in that of like, this is the correct way to do it. And you have to do it in this correct way. Otherwise you're out. We need to invite a 
feminist theologian on, <laughs> but they need to agree with me that Paul sucks. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would like to hear someone's um, someone who is actually learned in this area to uh, to talk to me about this because currently this is my feeling. Okay, so field reporters, if you know anyone in particular who has some beef with Paul and can further who can, elucidate, who can yes, who can talk more about this because maybe I'm maybe you can disagree. Someone I would be fine if someone disagreed with me. I just want to. I need a a more uh, informed opinion. I got, I'd love to watch a debate. I don't I don't know enough to debate. I just want someone to explain things to me. Okay, well I would love to see a pro Paul anti Paul debate. I'm into it. <laughs> If we get two people out there. I think those do exist. I'm sure they do. Man. Well, that's... So if you haven't heard... I'm sure you heard about it already because it was everywhere. I love that everyone... Like, it wasn't the New York Times religion section. It was like a push notification. People no longer baptized. I also... It's interesting because there are some spaces where I saw... Like a pastor, the one who I attended his church in Austin. He posted something about it. And just sort of the absurdity of it but he and other folks in the comments were careful to because i think other christians are sort of there is like anti-catholic sentiment amongst protestants and they're like this is why catholicism is stupid and this is why we do they are witches yeah right and i think he and other folks in the comments that i saw were clear to point out like this is not this is not specific to catholicism all christianity has this sort of like this idea that somehow the the letter of the law is more important than the spirit of the law like that Mm -hmm. comes up for in so many other things too right well i hope the people for the most part that this quote unquote affected find that they are still baptized are still part of the catholic church if they want to be if my grandmother was alive and found out that her like family members were not at technically this is like heartbreaking for some people yes some people honestly i do believe are thinking they know they don't know if they're catholic now right or imagine he baptized someone and they died. And you believe? And you actually believe that now they're not in heaven. That actually I mean, turned is... my stomach a little bit. <laughs> I know. This is... Makes me sad. Like the opposite of pastoral. I think they're just not thinking about the impact on human beings. No. And slightly better Catholic <laughs> in the news. Catholicism in the news. The Catholic Church has its second okay. black archbishop. Oh, I don't think I saw that. Pope Francis appointed the most reverend... I love – I don't know if that's most. So many titles. The most. Reverend Shelton Favor. Um, he's the next Archbishop of Louisville, hmm. and he's the second. I think the other person's in D.C. All right. And I was looking at America Magazine, and there's a podcast attached to it. I haven't had a chance to listen because I think it just dropped yesterday as far as I can tell. But there's a host named Gloria Purvis who presents as Black as well, and she's a Catholic reporter. So I think that's all very fascinating. They seem to, again, I haven't listened to it, so I can't vouch for it, but be having a long conversation about the sin of racism and why that should be more, and like the rage of Black Catholics. And so I really do want Mm. to listen to it. So I just wanted to point it out because by the time we record again, it won't be news. But I'm just glad that that conversation is happening because I think it should be in more homilies. He's the second black archbishop in the U.S.? In America. I was going to say, I imagine in Africa there are black archbishops. I sure hope so. One of two black U.S. Catholics serving as archbishop. So it's nice to know the conversation is like happening and some people are represented. It is happening in some places, but like anything to do with anti-racism, I think. It should be happening in every diocese. It should be. There's a lot of defensiveness. 
yes on the part of white catholics i think which is kind of why i wanted to bring up just like oh yes the sin of racism is a pretty huge one pretty big and one that I don't believe has was ever mentioned in any homily I've ever been to. No, it sure wasn't. I might be proven wrong. I don't record all my homilies. And obviously, I don't pay attention to all of them. But usually it has some story and there's a dog involved and a joke. And I don't remember the sin of racism coming up too frequently. And I was in mostly white spaces. No, it was not. I think with current conversation, it is. it has to happen more. And in a lot of... I think in a lot of white Catholic spaces, the sin of like, <laughs> it is a, they are bastions of sins of racism. And so, yeah, I mean, white priests are not in a space to even have a, a really strong understanding of how the church is complicit and they are complicit and their congregations are complicit. So it's, there's a lot, there's a lot uh-huh. to unpack. We will actually be talking a little bit about that next episode, I think. So Hint, hint. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into Lent. Let's do let's it. Let's do it. Let's. Let's repent now. Here we go. Um, (laughs) Steph. Yes. Tell me about your memories of Lent. Okay. (laughs) There's there's a lot. Starting with, is there some Fat Tuesday? Is there some Ash Wednesday? I don't really have too much Mardi Gras stuff. I mean, other than sometimes people gave us beads for things. And then when I grew up more... And realized why the beads usually got handed out. I felt it strange that people were giving the children the beads. But that's Mm. neither here nor there. I don't really remember too many big feasts or any. I don't. That just wasn't a big part of it for me. But Ash Wednesday. (laughs) So as a CCD kid. As a CCD kid. It's probably different for you. But like it was kind of like National Coming Out Catholic Day for me every West Wednesday. Oh, right. Because it was like you were walking around with ashes on your head and other kids were not. And I was like, you're on my team. And I, you go to church. And <laughs> I was like, oh, I know who you are now. It was like suddenly because Catholics can blend in. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, these are other people that are like me. This is interesting. And you got to kind of like. You have to go to school with like a big smudge of dirt on your forehead, which no one yeah. ever really let me do any other time of the year. So that was also kind of weirdly exciting. So you would go in the morning? How would this work? I don't remember exactly, but I do think we went after school in the evening. Okay. And like, so I don't think it even resembled. A... <laughs> you would sleep on it? You yeah. Had like a... I, I think you weren't supposed to wash it off or something. I, I don't, don't know. know. I think a couple of times we went during the day and then I had to go to school after. Yeah. I think they do have early services for that reason because people will go like before work and stuff. Right. And then I'm when we went to high school, we, you know, it was a big day where we didn't have classes because it was the middle of a week and we had to go we got ashes on our forehead and a big service. But it wasn't as exciting at a Catholic school. It's like, okay, yeah, we're all Catholic and everyone has it, yeah. And it stunned me as an adult. Like I remember I went to college in New York and the, the first Ash Wednesday, like just walking around going to school and I was like, oh my gosh, all these New Yorkers who I thought of as quintessentially like atheist, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Jewish, I guess, to fill a stereotype. I was like, there's so many Catholics going to work with ashes on their forehead. I was stunned. Yeah, it's like six cents. Like, I see Catholic people all of a sudden. Exactly. It's what it, like. <laughs> it was always like, oh, we're entering this time, the dark time of church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets very serious, very fast. Somber and not pretty. And the lights are darker. I remember. I don't know if it was for the Ash Wednesday, but which mass it is, or maybe that's a, oh, maybe that's the one where he's in the tomb. Is that Good Friday? Whatever. Yeah. 
where they're like it's like really dark in the church mm-hmm. and that was really hard to stay awake and i remember that mass was being rough i mean we went to church nearly every Sunday unless something like we were traveling or moving or something. But that week, just oh, we'll get into Holy Week at another time. But just like the amount of church that happens during this time period is nuts. Yeah. Did your family go during Holy Week? Oh, yeah. My dad thought Holy Week was very important. So I remember going to all of that and it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Ash Wednesday was just this big... It's like, oh my, you're all here. And sometimes if it was like, I don't know, maybe a boy I had a crush on and I found out he was Catholic, it was very exciting. (laughs) Because you just don't go around asking people that question. And if he didn't go to my church or was in my CCD class, I wouldn't know. Right. So yeah, that was, it was always, I was like, oh, it was like, find again, like finding your people. It's like, oh, you're like in my family in a weird way. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. What about you for Ash Wednesday? So I feel like there normally was kind of some celebration for Mardi Gras, or I mean, we called it Fat Tuesday, which is Mardi Gras in English. So do you know what Polish people eat on Pachki? Punchkeys. Punchkeys, yeah. Yes. On Fat Tuesday, Polish people eat punchkeys. So that was, we would sometimes just call it Punchki Day. I mean, they're delicious. I still eat punchkeys. In fact, in the Chicago area, around this time of year, you start seeing bakeries putting up their signs that are like, we will have punchkeys. You could get your punchkey order in. Don't you worry. Which I didn't, I haven't put an order in yet. So I just Uh-oh. actually, like as we were doing this today, I was like, oh shoot, I didn't do my punchkey order. Last year, I managed to get punchkeys delivered. It was like during the pandemic, but it was from like a chain donut place that was just doing it. Mm. So it wasn't like super legit. I will go to like the Polish bakery. Do any like churches sell them? Like they do that kind of thing around here. Oh, you know what? I have no idea. I don't know. I have not seen that. I feel like that would be really authentic. For folks who do not know what a punchki is, it is similar to a jelly donut. Sometimes it is injected with the jelly stuff and sometimes it is like cut in half and then they put it inside like like a a sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. And they have lots of different flavors and they're, you know, it's fried dough with jelly in it what's not to love it's delicious when i went to grad school in texas it was the first time i could not get my hands on a punchki around this time of year and i was like oh no and because that's it is polish right it's a polish thing i think i did find some at an heb there's this very they have them here too i don't know who makes these things but it's like this very uh generic box that just says punchki across it mm. it's like a white box with red lettering it says punchki it looks very like polish and they just have straight up either strawberry or cherry punchkis in it and that's like it's a it's like your standard punchki i did think i did find them in an heb there and i have found out more recently that in ireland it is Pancake Tuesday. I grew up super Irish Catholic for all the things that we were like, you know, our St. Patrick's Day stuff, feel like wearing clotter rings. I was like, why did no one tell us about the Pancake Tuesday? I was totally unaware. And who doesn't want to eat a reason to eat pancakes? pancakes. I yeah. know. Around here, when you get your fish fry at some places, you can also get a palachinka, which is, Ooh, is basically that? a crepe. But okay. it's a Cro- Croatian or Southern Slavic, all the Southern Ew. Slavic countries. So like they're palachinkas. And I don't even know if it has anything to do with religion <laughs> at all. <laughs> but it's a type of pancake. So maybe yeah. there's something to do with it. I did a little research on this, but a big thing of Fat Tuesday is it was the idea that you were going to use up all your butter and sugar and stuff before Lent when you were going to like abstain oh. from nice foods. Yeah. So that's what that's what Fat Tuesday that's why it came about. I didn't know that. You know, clearly like New Orleans has taken that to a... Right. I thought it was all about the like the purge, like get it out of your system. I think it's all of that. You're not eating again. Yeah. Well, that's what I think it's turned into is just like be totally gluttonous and kind of 
just heighten it. Just <laughs> it just keep going and going and going. But there was I I feel like at some point I did learn about like I think it was medieval England or something like that. They used to let people go like crazy right before Lent. There was a thing about like role reversals, like poor people got to act like noble people and Yeah, it's like the carnival thing, right? It's that Yeah, whole... like carnival. Yes. I think there is something in us that like, especially if you're going to be, as we referenced, like obsessed with adhering to very specific rules, this idea that like, well, no one can do that all year. You need one day where you just like lose your mind. Got to get it out of your system. And then you need to repent and like kind of feel bad about yourself for doing all those things. But like you need to do it. It's Mm -hmm. it's interesting. (laughs) I know. I feel like I totally miss like if I, because I do remember having to fast because mm-hmm. you have to do that or and is it, it's on ash wednesday and you're supposed to do it i don't know like all of holy week part thing yeah. and then on the on fridays you're not you're supposed to abstain from meat which we'll get into in a second right but like i, I did all that part but i never really did like full-on you didn't get to do the party i didn't i've always wanted to go to mardi gras you know my brother and sister-in-law until a couple years ago lived in new orleans and i never went for mardi gras and then oh. uh now it's too late um, the big bar restaurant in town in the area I grew up in, in the highly Catholic area is a Mardi Gras, New Orleans themed kind of like mega bar and restaurant. <laughs> if I ever go back to grad school for like performance studies, PhD, I will write a thesis on the performative nature of being obsessed with like pretend Mardi Gras year round for a bunch of like, yes. white Catholic people. There's so deeply much to unpack there but anywho oh man um year round even during lent uh so that was mardi gras and i feel like the school would usually do something like we would have some little celebration in school hard to remember i feel like maybe that was like a pizza day where you could like order pizza for lunch or something like oh and then i think there was something they would use it as a fundraiser like they'd have a party where people could come you know families and especially adults could come and like drink and eat food and stuff ash wednesday so we all obviously we were going with our class right no surprises about who was catholic i kind of like the ash wednesday i don't know there's something really nicely like performative about it that Mm -hmm. i enjoyed and then you're like wearing your ashes i remember looking at our friends afterwards back in the island being like how do my ashes look be like oh yours really like that priest is really making it look like a cross right that guy's just like a smudge like it's supposed to look like a cross i felt like i always got the smudge guy yeah so we would try like oh try to go to father what's his face like he gives a good cross that was like a thing (laughs) I do remember going to dance class and like most of us having a cross because I grew up in a very Catholic area. And then one or two girls being like, wait, why, what is that? Why don't I have one? And it was kind of sad. Um, Like they were the the outcasts, which is sad. Yeah, get this ash on your face. (laughs) Up until a couple years ago, several of my great grandmother's siblings were still living, which was pretty cool to have around. That's nice. When my oldest was born, he had great, great, great aunts and uncles who were still living, which is pretty nuts. But anyway, so my great, great aunt Evelyn was a very funny woman, I thought, and was very devout. And she used to kind of complain, but in a funny way that people mostly show up to church when they get free stuff. Yeah. And she was like, it doesn't need to be a nice free thing. She was like, it could be a palm. Palm Sunday is good. It could literally be the ashes on your head. They feel like they're getting something. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why they show up. And I feel like there is an element of that of like, oh, I 
I walk out with those that cross on my forehead. Right. I do feel like Ash Wednesday is one of, for those people who only go at like Christmas and Easter, they still somehow seem to make it to Ash Wednesday for a large part, which is like a weekday one. To be honest, like it's coming up and my, so in my Methodist church does do Ash Wednesday and I'm a little like kind of wanting to go. I don't know. There's yeah. something about it that I kind of I mean, like. you're legitimately baptized. You're totally okay to go no I- matter what. <laughs> We used to do a thing, and I'm trying to remember if this was on Ash Wednesday. It might have been on a different part of Lent. But we would do a thing at our Catholic elementary school where we were supposed to fast, and like that was supposed to somehow teach us what it was like to be poor and starving. Oh. So that's all kinds of problematic. And (laughs) like, I get it now. (laughs) Right. I totally know what it's like to be poor. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't even that we would go without lunch. They would just give us – it was a very simple – I think it was like a cheese sandwich. It was just like cheese and mayo on bread, which isn't even – The sparseness. That's like honestly what my kids eat like normally. They want that. Like that's just what a child eats. And they would just give us that. We didn't bring a lunch. They would just give us that. And then we had this special priest came in who like talked to us about working with poor people. And I remember he told us that one time they ran out of food to give poor people and they prayed and a bunch of food showed up. And that was proof that God had sent the food. Yep. And then we we That's we were it. not allowed to talk and we had to just silently eat our cheese sandwich in the gym and then leave. And that was supposed to teach us what it was like to be poor or something. That's what uh, we would do. Yep. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. That's exactly like being food insecure, I'm sure. Same thing. Well, speaking of going without, did you have a big deal like what you were going to give up for Lent yes. for your 40 days and 40s nights? Yes. So I feel like it was complicated. In some ways, I feel like I was a little strategic about it. I would try to- Oh, yeah. So it's usually a food. And I would think I would try to figure out a food that I enjoyed, but also that wasn't going to be around all the time. I think I chose ice cream several times because it was like, usually you don't need that much ice cream in the like late winter, early spring anyway. Pretty smart. It's not summer. I think chocolate was like, am I going to do chocolate? Because chocolate was the hardest one. Chocolate was rough. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for me, some people that wouldn't be a big deal, but I am a chocolate person. Mm-hmm. I always have been. What about you? I remember there was a moment for me where I was like hardcore for a bit. And I wanted to like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to give stuff up. <laughs> and I think I gave up like sweets, like across the like book. all of them. Did not make the 40 days. Didn't make yeah. it. I think I gave up candy a couple times, but that like doesn't include cookies. So sweets is like, that's really big. And then I, we, I, we always have like a long conversation about what it, we're giving up in our family. Like, oh, my brother's going to like not – he only gets to watch this much Ninja Turtles or – and then we would egg each other on like, I know you want to do – you want this candy so bad. We were so mean to each other, the three of us. <laughs> it's like a great – yeah, it's a great excuse for like messing Just with each taunting. other. Haunting. But yeah, for the most part, it was always like what what – won't hurt that bad yeah (laughs) it's like not the point at all but then I had one priest or somebody maybe it wasn't my dad I don't know but somebody finally was like you know you don't have to give something up you can also be like working towards something good and that I love I like that way too healthy (laughs) right well I think I started doing yeah for some reason I guess it's as a kid all you could think of is what do you have nothing you have nothing you can't do so you control your food I guess so it's all about food well so then I think I started being like I'm gonna compliment people more actively like I started trying to do that kind of stuff 
But still to this day, I mean, I am not a Catholic or I do not go to church. I guess I will always be a Catholic, but I don't know. We better check. Is there any video of your baptism? We better check it. I know. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> this could be a whole turning point for me. I still do something for Lent. Do you? And I just find it to be a nice practice yeah. for some reason. I remember 40 days felt like a freaking eternity as a child. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I now turn off my social media. I don't check it during Lent. And then I find that it actually lasts a lot longer. Like I end up like, I'm like, oh, that was much better. Yeah. For me. Like I don't, I don't miss that. I have heard of a couple other people doing that. And that does seem, oh, it sounds it like that would feels be. feels like a good, healthy practice. It does sound healthy. But my dad was the king of Lent. He still is the king of Lent. Oh, the king of Lent. I like that title. <laughs> He's notorious in our family. So first- You should make a t-shirt. My grandma's probably the queen of Lent first, but like she had all these extra special dispensations that she gave herself, or I don't know where these rules came from. I think a priest told her this once, or she made it up. I'm not sure. But it was like, whatever you do for Lent, if you're 50 miles away from home, it doesn't count. I love that. <laughs> Our family still completely abides by that rule. If you, well, it's like because you're on vacation. so you, You're on vacation, so you shouldn't hurt yourself. But my dad, he would give up beer. And you just said uh, ice cream, which I find hysterical because my father has to have ice cream every night. Oh, yeah. So he gives up ice cream and M&Ms, which, hmm, again, one day you will meet him. He just told me he wants to start listening to this podcast. So, Papa, don't be embarrassed. I'm talking about this. No, this is great. There's nobody on this planet that loves M&Ms more than <laughs> He loves M and M's. It's a thing. M&Ms are pretty great. There's at least four kinds in the house at all times. Ooh. They're in different strategic locations. <gasps> that would be dangerous for me. I've never been in the house other than during Lent when we haven't had M and M. Like there's always M and M's in the house. Wow. So he would give all beer, ice cream, and M and M's up for Lent. And he had this special bowl. He woke up early every morning. He went to bed at a reasonable time. But on Easter, the night before Easter, <laughs> he would stay up till midnight. And as soon as it was no longer Lent, would make himself the biggest bowl of ice cream with M&M's oh on gosh. top that you've ever seen in your life. I love that so much. I just No one really has enjoyed a bowl of ice cream more than he does on Easter Sunday. It's like Ramadan, but for Catholics. <laughs> it's a huge sacrifice for him. That's amazing. I kind of love that. I love it. Because then I bet that's like the most delicious bowl of ice cream he's ever had. The best. It's <laughs> really funny. Yeah. I mean, oh man, all my uncles, I think they all give up drinking. And so. Well, here's the rub stuff for where I grew up is that St. Patrick's Day often happens during Lent. Ooh, yeah. St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. On the south side of Chicago, where I was. As is written in my bio on our website, I was once the Irish princess of the Southside Parade. You'll always be an Irish Five princess. Five to seven to division. Thank you. I didn't make it the first time. I know the name of the girl who got it that time. I walked in the first time and I I have red curly hair. I had red curly hair as a child. I think people looked at me and were like, shoo in. This other girl walks in. I won't say her name. I don't need to do that to her, but I do know her name still because we were in the same, from the same parish. Mm-hmm. I mean, that orange red kind of curly hair, uh, way curlier, way redder, about three times the freckles as me. Dang. And my mom was like, mm, maybe next year. <laughs> she Ouch. saw her walk in. She was like, it's over. I was wearing green. She was probably in a brighter green. Anywho. Just a little more Irish. So I think people do get dispensation for uh, St. Patrick's Day. I think that's a thing. Because 
<laughs> Got you. How else you gonna? Because of the crazy man who drove out the non-existent snakes. The fake snakes. and No one knows who St. Patrick was. They don't care. They want to drink. I, they'll make a dispensation for that. That's fine. Okay, I'm not gonna Got get Got to. <laughs> it was an issue for a while that kids weren't coming to Catholic school the next day after the St. Patrick. Because their parents were too drunk to get them there? The parade <laughs> is on a Sunday. You'd go to church. It was actually, re- when I was a kid, it was like very exciting. You'd go to church and I we're getting off to St. Patrick's Day. But for me, that was actually part of Lent. Yeah. When I was the princess, part of being the princess was going to church. And I got to stand with the other princesses in the other age division. And I was six years old. And so I wasn't with my family in church. I was with like strangers. And I remember being super nervous. And I remember the Irish princess who was like probably the third grader, like helped me find my place in the missalette because I used to like to follow along. And I thought that was really nice. That's cute. It was nice. I still think about how sweet that was that she did. She kind of like took care of me because I was by myself. I mean, I was. I'm sure my mom could see me. She was probably like two pews away, but it felt very weird to be at church without felt independent. Yeah, without a grown up, I knew. Aww. Yeah, so we all went. I mean, and there would be like full bagpipes, the Emerald Society, which was the Chicago Police Department bagpipes. One of my best friends, her dad was the drummer. He, I would see him, and like they were all in kilts, just like, I mean, like 25 men in kilts playing bagpipes and like special musicians who sing the special Irish music. It was a huge deal. So St. Patrick's Day was weirdly part of Lent most of the time uh, growing up. That's, I didn't even think about that. That's not a thing. All the rules went a little bit away for that one wow. day, for parade day specifically. And then recovery day on Monday. And hopefully, yeah, people sent it because some parents just could. I would like as a parent, I'm like, no, I would want to send my child to school. That get day. away like, from I, me. But I guess you, yeah, but I guess you have to get up early and get them in their uniform and stuff. Get them going. But in terms of the giving up stuff as an adult, again, a couple of years ago, it hit me. I was like, oh, because like I could be so I have a problem with being like self-sacrificing, you know? Yeah. Just like in my day to day life with my family being like, oh, it's fine. I'll do it. I'll just take it on myself. Or I'll go without something so other people can have something. And I'm like, oh, remember that part where I was growing up and they were like, Jesus died for you. So the least you could do is not eat this chocolate. It's like maybe maybe that was a little bit of a problem. (laughs) And I feel like as I got older, there was like some weird. I do feel like got a little mixed up with food body issues. Well, yes. Of, I need to be able to not eat sweets. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I hope I lose weight now. Then, like, oh. Lent almost became, like, a diet thing, and that was kind of yeah. messed up. And That's complicated. I think if you're doing something, like giving up social media or, like, adding something to your day, to me, it's much healthier to think of how can I better my mental state? How can I be a better person to other people? Um, yeah, I like that message. It was, again, not about punishing yourself. It was about how do I grow during this time. And I whoever framed that for me was helpful for me i think there is such a thing in catholicism about punishing yourself uh yeah so lots of people like it that way i don't think it was like an accident that we saw it that way as kids i think it was presented that way did you eat fish every friday during lunch yeah yeah i think we mostly did i actually my family didn't go to fish fries very much but i did one i got like in middle school that's like what my friends and i would do for fun we'd go to a fish fry because why not? That's what was happening around town. I have never liked meat. By the time I was 15, I stopped eating meat altogether except for fish. So I've actually always preferred fish. So that was like my day and I was very excited. Oh, that's exciting. A lot of places had more fish options on that Friday. Right. What about you? We, we had fish and I remember like we weren't 
I don't think the three of us were like super big into fish. So my mom had to like hide the fish and foods. Like I think we had like tuna noodle casserole or something a lot on Fridays. But my brother specifically like really did not like fish when he was Mm. little. And we moved to Florida and went started going to Catholic school. He was probably in fourth grade, I think, when we moved there. So we had fish at home. We didn't go to fish fries. Where I live now, that's a thing. It's like there's fish fries. It's a big deal. Like we compare and contrast churches and everyone's already really excited about St. Anthony's because it's really, really good. And you get your palachinkas. Although I don't think they're doing palachinkas this year, which is an outrage. It really is. It really is bad. And you can't eat there because of COVID. Yeah. So one of my uncles lives closest to the church. So everyone in my family picks up their food and then goes to the one uncle's to eat it before it gets cold on the way home. Like it's a whole to do. Oh. Anyway, so we moved to Florida, had to start going to Catholic school. And all of a sudden, like our cafeteria abided by Lent. Like that was a mm. first for us. Right. And the only thing it says in the Bible is that you're not supposed to eat meat. No mammalian. I think it's warm blooded animals or something like that. Like that's the deal. Is that where even is it that I did not even I was looking this up because it was a whole thing for me who says it does Paul say it or is it it an old testament thing that we probably so there's an article I looked up on NPR it's called lust lies and empire the fishy tale behind eating fish on Friday that is an excellent title NPR congratulations it's a great headline (laughs) well I looked it up because my ninth grade theology teacher Mr. Kelly he was the one that like started popping all of my bubbles kind of in a good way he was the one that was like oh yeah most of the old testament is based on babylonian myth i'm like i'm sorry it didn't come straight from god's mouth this is news to me we need those teachers he was great he also was like the only reason we eat fish on friday is because early christians cornered the fish market and then the pope just wanted to make money for catholics and that's why we do it so i believed that for forever and i was going to bring that up today this article sort of debunks that whole thing as another myth this is a professor at Baylor University, okay. who they quote, basically, according to Christian teaching, technically, it's the flesh of warm blooded animals that's off limits, an animal, quote, that in a sense, sacrificed its life for us, if you will, unquote. So any cold blooded animals are fair game. Is that I guess that's fish. I've never thought about this. Snakes. <laughs> fish. Ran them all out. Now we got no snakes to eat. No snakes. So I believe that. But anyway, my brother didn't like fish. And so my mom, she converted to Catholicism. She was not raised Catholic. She just oh, was like, okay, no, no. well, great. Here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. Have at it. And he got in super big trouble at school. Why? The teacher berated him in front of the class and said he was a bad kid. Because he wasn't going to eat the fish. She's She, in her crazy Catholic mind. You don't have to eat fish. That's not what she said to him. And so he came home like crying. I do feel like this came up in my research that it's like, just to be clear, it's not that you have to eat fish. It's that fish is the only animal option. Right. This woman decided to fillet, as it were, a <laughs> child. <laughs> Nice. I would high five you if we were in <laughs> thank real you, life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He was like, what? He's in fourth grade. What is eight years old? Oh my gosh. Steph, I think we found the lady who uh, told on the priest for not saying I, because that's ridiculous. Right. And this was the moment where I knew I was going to love my mother for my whole life because she was having none of it. And she like went to town on this woman. Good for her. Yeah. She was like, this is so stupid. So he, 
of all of us, he was the first, my brother, the youngest one was the first one to stop going to Catholic school. He went to public school. Like, I think he only lasted a year if I'm right, because this teacher was so mean to him. And like a lot of it started with Lenten bullying. That makes me so upset. I know. And he's not a Catholic anymore. So there we go. Wonder why. Right. So that's one of the things that always comes up with me for Friday. So like I, and then I learned this from my teacher and I was like, Jason, you're right. It's not even real. It's all a conspiracy. <laughs> don't believe him. So it was a whole thing in our family, but why don't you had to have fish or what the fish was for? And I, now I really, really like fish. So I look forward to having it regularly served to me. But yeah. I love, again, I love fish. And actually I used to, I remember like girls in my high school, I remember someone asking me if I was a vegetarian and I was like, well, I'm a pescatarian technically, like I still eat fish. And that was really because I, even as a child, I don't know, I've run into other people this way. I only ever liked fish. I still don't like the smell or the taste of meat. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm like, give it to me. It's a quirk of my genetics. But yeah, I remember someone saying to me like, several people were like, oh, well that's, yeah, that's okay to eat fish. Cause like Jesus ate fish. And I was like, what? It's not why I eat fish. That's not, that ha- what does that like, mean? Shush, 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 shush. You're I'm sure he ate other the Irish princess. You're great. Birds or something. I don't, too. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he ate beef. Um, I don't know. Do they have, ca- I don't know that they, have, there's no cattle in the new Testament. Um, are there, are there cattle? There's at, they're at the manger. There's lambs and cattle at the Yeah. But are they <laughs> actually in the, <laughs> they're in the, what is sold in stores, but were yes. there cattle? Someone again, for our our uh, historical, yeah, someone who knows, tell me if they're if Jesus ate beef. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this lust, lies, and fish, whatever. But yeah, um, we'll link it because it's just a fascinating thing. But basically, just to finish that, it's it was not it's not real, Mr. Kelly, and I I'm sad because I really well, was. That's a bummer. It does sound real. Listen, this. I'm sure there were plenty of fish folks who were and still are pretty happy about that well there is a whole thing that happened this is nerd me with like henry the eighth and anne boleyn and fish oh because he when he denounced the catholic church yeah for anne apparently the fish market took a dive oh because <laughs> people were like i don't have to eat fish anymore this uh... is awesome but again like i thought i mean i i do think fish is tasty so i don't understand why people felt so forced to do it that they were like yes we don't have to do it anymore who knows so are you gonna do anything this year for lent (sighs) um i don't know i might go to ash wednesday (laughs) i might go to ash wednesday we'll see i have not been physically to our church except for meetings i haven't been to church church uh since the pandemic started and even before then attendance was spotty so yeah. You know, I think I think it's a good excuse to think about, oh, this is like a set 40 days to do some kind of practice. Right. I don't know. I've been wanting to do some kind of meditation or something. So maybe that. There you go. Like add a meditation. Though, so I actually recently, on that note, I was kind of thinking about wanting to in- include some kind of meditation practice in my life for Lent or maybe even beyond that. And we had talked to Father Anne and I saw that Father Jim Martin, who writes a lot about LGBTQ stuff Mm. in the church i follow him on social media and he posted that he has a new podcast that's like a daily meditation and it's based on an ignatian evening meditation and father anna just talked about the ignatian stuff and i wanted a daily meditation and it was for the end of the day and i was like oh that sounds nice i will try it i'm gonna try it i tried it stuff i tried it and so it starts by having you think through your day 
and you're like kind of imagining he's it also it's like you can imagine you're with god or jesus and then you're like thinking through your day and you're thinking where you saw god in your day i don't know that i totally had a strong grasp on what that looked like but i tried and then at the end it goes to like thinking about when you sinned basically and listen lent is all about sin it's all about repenting it's all about sin there's a lot of going to confession we've covered confession i just find that the whole construct of sin i think some people find it useful i find it horribly unhelpful because all it's saying is that i did something that wasn't good and i'm just gonna tell myself not to do that anymore and it's the thing of what's the saying insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result yeah there's no getting to the root of why you did the thing there's no thinking about what was going on for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's just like I sinned, I turned away from God and I need to not do that again. And I need to, and because then, yeah, the part of it was like, ask God's forgiveness. And that to me is so deeply unhelpful. I think that is the most unhelpful thing about Catholicism and a lot of Christianity. If all you're doing is recognizing that you did something that you're ashamed of without looking at the root causes of that behavior, it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you were taken out of it. You're like, I'm not meditating anymore. Totally. And I think that like Lent is all about repentance and denying yourself and recognizing your own sin. But there's no, this is with all the Catholicism stuff. I don't see any of, you know, I spoke unkindly to my family member, but like, let's figure out what was, why was I doing that? What was going on for me in that moment? No, 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 (laughs) no. We don't want to investigate it. And it's never going to change unless you investigate it. There's no self-reflection. And there's no self-compassion. I think some Catholics might argue that going to confession during Lent or whenever is like, oh, well, God forgives me so then I can feel self-compassion. But that's not self-compassion in my view. So that one didn't work. (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) I like the idea of a practice, but this whole Lent is so rooted in like penance for me and like, uh, yeah, and feeling guilty, feeling guilty about your sins. and. I just find that really unhelpful. Yeah. Like just on a logistical, I can't think of many times where someone just saying, I did something bad. I'm just going to change is really how people change. No, I know. I mean, I feel like that's the major thing I've run away from the church because of is like the sin, the guilt, the, the, the anxiety that all of that caused me. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. That, that this is particularly a time of year where that like is brought up for you and for a lot of other people. I think, I don't know, the social media thing feels so good that I'm just like, oh, it's an excuse to do it. No, that's a great one because it's it's contributing to your mental health. Yeah, it really does. I'm like, I have so much free time now. And we are generally, usually when we are doing something like that for our own mental health, we also become better people for other people. It's a win-win. Right. Right. We're more able to show up for other people. That being said, I might have to sign in every now and again because I want to ask people on our accounts if they're giving things up for Lent or what they're not giving up or doing or if they still even practice once you're lapsed. Is it one of those things that sticks? So I'm curious. Maybe people can just email us so I don't have to check (laughs) social media, but we'll see. I can text you. I will text you what There we go. You'll be my social media captain. You're not the first person I've heard who has said, like, I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore, but I still give something up for Lent. It's weird. It's one of those things that's like a thorn. There are some rebellious people who are like, just because I'm supposed to give something up, I'm not going to give something up. Like, I get that. Uh But for some people, I think it is it's a set time of 40 days to do something. Right. So you can be creative with how you use it. In 2020, my husband and I decided we we didn't do dry January. I was in the middle of moving here and that was 
a whiskey time. <laughs> but we decided for Lent we were going to give up drinking. And we, what was it, three weeks in the shutdown happened? And we just looked at oh, each other and we're like, Lent over. <laughs> I bet a lot of people's Lent was over then. I think Done. Lent was over for a lot of folks at that time. That was a quick Lent. <laughs> Did not work. <laughs> It's like we're never giving up drinking again because we feel like we cursed everything. All right. Well, like I said, I, if you're not giving up social media for Lent, please do follow us there <laughs> or email us. Thank you to all our field reporters. And yeah, if you, if you have reporter. anything good in the news, please do share it. Continue to share. I so appreciate that we have that now. Mm-hmm. Do you have? Ooh, I don't have a nonprofit. Do you? I was kind of thinking, do you know Lindsay Perlman? Uh, I think I know who that is now. Uh, so I'm still tied into the, a lot of the Chicago theater. Yeah, she people, was a Chicago theater person. I didn't know her personally, but a lot of other people did. And she just was found dead in LA and a lot of yeah. people are mourning her. Um, and again, I didn't know her very well, but I know a lot of, a lot of my dear friends are very Same. sad right now. I had a lot of mutual friends. So uh, I thought we could extend Matthew's invitation for another week of the American Alliance for Theater Education because I know she was involved in theater and some education. Um, great. Yeah. She was an animal rights person too, I believe. Animal rights person. I don't have a good animal rights at the top of my head other than the ASPCA. We can do both. Yeah. We will do both animal of rights. those. Theater, education, so anyone in Chicago, in L.A. that is missing her, we are, our heart goes out to you. Mm-hmm. Very tragic. Um, yep. So, and it was nice talking with you, Anne. We haven't had just us time in Just a us. No, we've had a lot of guests, which has been oh, great. But also very awesome. So, yep, keep following. Keep rating, please. Um, we've had some lovely comments on the Apple podcast. It warms my heart to know that other people are enjoying this. So thank you for those people who yes. have comments. All right, Steph. Well, also with you. And also with you, Anne. <laughs>